Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. It's your podcast. For you and you alone. Tell no one. Burn after listening. <laughs> yeah, this is playing anywhere but your headphones. You're going to have to kill whoever heard it. <laughs> kill your double. Kill your double. <laughs> what antiques are we talking about this week? I wanted to talk about crackle glass. Snap, crackle, and pop? It shouldn't do those other things. <laughs> If your glass has snapped and popped, you did glass wrong, and I'm sorry. This is what you get for letting anyone but you hear this podcast. Yeah, that's that's exactly what you get fucking coming. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> crackle glass. Also called crackle glass. Ooh la la. Ice glass and window glass. Hmm. Is actually a finish to a glass and not a particular brand. I feel like that last one is already a thing. Window glass? <laughs> yeah. I don't like it either, but I saw enough people use it that I felt the need to include it. Do they know what windows are? Has anyone told them? Um, no, I certainly didn't. And if you tell them, I'll, you know, you're gonna go snap pop, you know? <laughs> So it's it's called that because people put it in their windows a lot for reasons we'll get into a little bit later. Oh, okay. You're still right in its confusing <laughs> and weird name. Needlessly confusing. You could say that about a lot of things in this industry. Crackle glass. It's needlessly confusing. <laughs> wow. Very good. It is a kind of glass finish made by taking molten glass, generally in the rough shape of what you want it to look like when finished, and dunking it into an ice bath. Oh, Oh, that's fun. Yeah, when you're familiar with glass, you know that that causes rapid expansion and then rapid shrinking, which creates cracking. That is some fun science. Right on with the lab professor just kind of taking a big chunk of sodium out to the pond and saying, hey kids, watch this. That happened? Yeah. Wait, you, your science guy did that? Yeah. Oh. Our chemistry teacher. That's crazy. In high school. Our set magnesium on fire and then would not stop telling us to not look at it. Hmm. I think he remembered a little bit late the properties of magnesium fire. That feels like tempting fate. It's also like, you know how you put out magnesium fires, you let it burn. So just, you yeah. know, five whole minutes of telling a bunch of teenagers to not look directly at the light. Was he also a psychology teacher? No, he was just insane, I think. <laughs> So after it's dunked in the ice to cause fine, spidery, uneven cracks, it's then reheated and reshaped so that it seals the cracks in and you cannot feel them from either the outside or the inside. Oh, okay. So you get the look of the shattered glass without the ouch pointy bits. Exactly. Now, a point of contention is whether or not overshot glass counts as a type of crackle glass. What is overshot glass? It is molten glass rolled over tiny splinters and shards of glass, and then reheated to soften the sharp edges of the splinters. Oh, this feels like the same principle, but different method to different effects. So I don't know if it should count as crackle, but I'm also not a doctor. I mean, yeah, you've put your thumb right on the center of the very hairy debate there. <laughs> Which is, how is it not crackle when it produces the exact same result? Is difference. But yeah, then there is the purest argument, which is that the methodology changes the nature of the effect. Yeah. They're both going unbreak my glass, but they're going about it differently. Say you love glass again. Unbreak my glass. Undo these crackles you done when you... <laughs> I'm a trained Smooth vocalist. it out again. <laughs> yeah. I'm tone deaf. What's your excuse? <laughs> <laughs> Crackle glass was actually invented in Venice in the 16th century. Oh, hey. 
what? If you're a glass enthusiast, then that doesn't feel too unusual because the Venetians were known as the daddies of glass. Is that what they were known as? That's what it says in the books. Yeah, everywhere. All of them? Yeah. Uh, hold on. I have one open right now. Um, Flip, flip, page noise. Uh, It says, yeah, it says uh, Venetian glass making is considered the big daddy of glass. I'm sorry, I was wrong. The big daddy of glass. Glass is big daddy, it says here. Shut the book sound. Well, books never lie. <laughs> so I guess it must be true that the Venetians are historically speaking the daddies of glass. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, I was obviously holding a real book that whole time. Yeah. yeah. No, I could hear it. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. <laughs> really cracked yourself the fuck up with that one, huh? Wow, I mean, I managed to hold it back for a little while, but holy shit. Really crackled yourself up. Uh, I'm all crackled up. So Crackle Glass had a sort of renaissance in the 1850s where the technique was utilized again <laughs> to cover up pieces of glass that got fucked up. Oh, factory seconds. Yep. So if you got a piece of glass that was supposed to be clear but had cording, striation, inclusions, you could dunk that son of a bitch in ice and all of a sudden, wow, it's all crackly all over and it's pretty and nobody noticed that my mic just fell. I broke it on purpose, I did. It, it's, um... It's a very, it's not messed up, it's my style kind of situation. <laughs> the glass part is not lumpy. Oh my god. Did you get that reference? Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. Did you start screaming when you heard us say that? <laughs> Write in. <laughs> the snake part is not lumpy. The snake part is not. You know, they're a, a professional illustrator now. They work for a game company. Oh, word, I'm so happy for them. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's really good. So, I mean, happy ending to that story if you guys didn't keep up with it like I did for my whole life, turns out. It was a fascinating tale. It was actually one of those things where I just kept running into their art and being like, hey, that looks kind of familiar, but better. <laughs> and that like just kept happening to me till I was just following their career. <laughs> See, I called it a fascinating tale because the tale was the snake part that was not in fact lumpy. <laughs> This is our least comprehensible episode yet. I, you know, it's, we're allowed to have a couple, right? I guess. And uh, this is the most comprehensive episode of our new side podcast. Was the snake part lumpy? It wasn't. Lumpy snake parts. <laughs> a podcast all about art mistakes. <laughs> An early 2000s DeviantArt retrospective podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've really figured that a visual medium could be best... <laughs> Best explored through the art of podcasting. We figured that internet radio was the best possible way to convey Yeah. See, what you're looking at here is Sonic, but he's round. (laughs) Sonic, but he's dying on a cross for your sins. He's he's died on the cross, as Jesus once did. Uh So crack the cross. (laughs) Much much like Ken putting up with this non sequitur, I've just inserted (laughs) Crackle Glass had another renaissance during the 1920s and 30s for no particular reason other than that it is pretty, where it made an appearance from United States Glass Company as a dinnerware set called Crackel, which is where that name comes from. Ooh la la. Side note, I think calling it Crackel is hysterical. Well, it's the equivalent of <laughs> keeping up appearances insisting her name is pronounced bouquet. Yeah, this <laughs> Yes, Keeping Up Appearances is the name of the character. No, I will not be taking questions at this time. Yeah, no, that's what the name is. Yeah. And then it had another renaissance in the 1950s, becoming a mid-century modern design staple. 
which was actually pretty unusual for design elements of that time to borrow from, you know, things that at that point would have already been vintage. But it does explain the instinctive disgust I feel upon seeing crackle glass. That might be the case, because your touchstone for it visually is probably a mid-century modern design. We've sold another one, gang, back in the mystery machine. And uh, most of that was because during the 50s and 60s, the glassmakers that were doing crackle glass at that time were making large, extremely brightly colored statement pieces. And I hated them. I hated them all. And Ken hated them. It says right here. It was weird. Hold on. Click, flip, 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 book noise. Uh, yeah, it says right here. Ken hated it. <laughs> book close. Ken of the Antiques Freaks alienated everyone listening to his stupid podcast <laughs> by hating this. No, it's I still like them. Oh, okay, good. And eventually we're going to have some people on who also like them to talk about why they like it. Yay! I won't be there for that episode. <laughs> Is that you? Contact us at... AntiquesFreaksPodcast at gmail.com. Yes, well, thank you. One of the other fun things about Crackle Glass is its ubiquity. Crackle Glass was made by essentially every single major glassmaker from low budget to high end in the history of glassmaking starting from the Venetian 16th century. You've got places like Blanco, Fenton, Steuben, Moser, Lutz, all of the big names. In fact, Blanco actually offered custom pieces where you could have them finished in plain or crackle. Plain, please. <laughs> it's still huge and yellow, Ken. I don't think you want it anyway. You know what? You're right. Crack that bitch up. Possibly what it's best known for are the miniature pieces, which are the ones that are called window pieces. Oh. Little vessels that are copies of useful items that are around three to five inches. Oh no. My love for miniatures versus my hatred for mid-century modern. I'm torn between two worlds, D. It's all in the scale. The mid-century modern pieces were big, and the ones everyone else collects were little. These were famously made by West Virginian firms such as Pilgrim, Rainbow, and Kanawa Glass. Aw, uh, hell yeah. I did very amusingly find someone who was swearing up and down that using a crackle glass piece defeated the purpose of owning a piece of crackle glass and that crackle glass from its inception was only ever meant to be a stand-alone decorative item. Oh, it's mid-century modern and deliberately purposeless? No wonder I hate it. I mean, I think the deliberately purposelessness and its mid-century modern designs are like one of the same, right? You know what? You're right. I'm learning a lot about myself tonight. That's great. That's what the podcast <laughs> is really for. It's self-exploration. We don't need anyone to keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't need therapy either. <laughs> I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, they said, as I quote, filling a crackle glass vase with flowers or a crackle glass decanter with beverage only defeats the purpose. The additions not only deaden the color and play of light through the crackling, which I think sounds like something somebody who smokes crack would say, uh... but also detracted from the design simplicity. Simplicity is not a word I would use to describe crackle glass. <laughs> That's, they're really getting me on that. And also the idea that light refracts poorly through water is also a new one for me. And all I can think is if, God forbid, I had to somehow take care of a piece of crackle glass in my house, I would do so by just piling a bunch of stuff on, around, and in it to disguise the fact that it existed in my house in the first place. It's not that bad, my man. I have very particular tastes, and crackle glass is not among them. <laughs> Alright, that's fair enough. I apologize to everyone who tuned into our crackle glass episode, hoping to hear nice things about the thing they enjoy collecting. <laughs> I got plenty of nice things to say about it. Yay! Please say more of them. <laughs> It's an unusual example of glass that's available in an extremely wide variety of colors. 
a lot of that is because they were being made on such a small scale that it was more cost effective to make these things in these unusual colors. Oh. Yeah, people are not exaggerating when they talk about how lovely they look refracting light through a window. They are beautiful little sun catcher pieces. So sparkly. It's very sparkle. And I don't care what anyone says, having them hold little tiny cut flower posies is delightful. If you haven't figured out by now, yes, I own some crackle glass. It's one of the things that I find really, really charming about Crackle Glass is anecdotally, the number of people I know who got started in antiques from collecting Crackle Glass, it's greater than five, you know? Damn. Because they are small, and as we're about to discover, they are cheap, even at their higher end. Oh, I do love some affordable antiques. I love affordable antiques that are pretty. I love affordable antiques. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) The color also affects rarity and collectability. Some of the most popular colors were ruby red, cobalt, tangerine, amberina, cranberry, smoke, and gray. To a lesser extent, amethyst as well. Now, like I said before, Blanco is actually considered kind of the archetypical ideal of crackle glass, however much that pains can, I imagine. Like I mentioned, they were a glass firm that started in the 1920s. They had their heyday in the 1950s and 60s with their enormous purposeless art pieces. And it was started by a glass artisan with a background in stained glass, which is how they explored so many extremely bright varieties of colors that would become typical of crackle glass later. They also sandblasted their name on the bottom of certain pieces, which I thought was unusual. Sandblasted? It was the first time I'd heard of someone sandblasting a logo on, yeah. But that would make the glass frosty, yeah? Only on the underneath. But it's a translucent piece, so you're gonna see that from the other angles that are being reflected at weird points due to the crackling of the glass. Oh yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. How very unusual. Other points for value and collectability, uh, other than your standard, how old is it? How intact is it? Does it have a lid still kind of thing? Is it actually from 16th century Venice? Yeah, that's going to be a big one right there. (laughs) That's your problem right there. It's from 16th century Venice. (laughs) I diagnosed the problem with your car. It's from 16th century Venice. (laughs) And it's glass. What are you thinking? What you brought me is a glass gondola. (laughs) It's a Dale Chihuly piece you sailed out of Venice. What did you do? (laughs) (laughs) How did you get here? How did you get here? Are you name-dropping Chihuly right now? Who sent you? How did you find me? I'm going to kill you. No. Don't you listen to the podcast I have on right now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, a lot of them are, you know, cruets and the like, or just little, like, footed dishes. So the intact shape of the lids and the pontals. Pilgrim in particular was actually really well known for their oversized teardrop-shaped pontals. No, they're not pontals. Pontal marks? No, the thing, it's a thing. The thing is a thing. We've got that far. It's the the thing, Ken. <laughs> no. God. <laughs> Finials. The finials. The decoration on top of the lid. <laughs> and generally, ones that have been hand-blown as opposed to molded are always slightly more desirable. I mean, that'll happen. Yeah. If you're new here, you look for pontal marks, you look for an applied handle, you look for a finished rim. Now, finished rim, oh my goodness, what, where where are we going? We're going to talk about reproductions. Oh no. Because they are a staple in decoration both back in the day and now, and forever, I assume. <laughs> there are reproductions, there's quite a few. It's a very simple procedure to do to glass, so it makes sense. I like referring to it as a procedure. The procedure. We're doing... (laughs) They did surgery on a grape, (laughs) goddammit. In a way, they kind of are, because the glass is shattered, and then they repair it. Yeah, that's the same as doing surgery on a grape? Well, I was thinking surgery on a person, but, like, 
I guess on a grape as well. <laughs> you know, that makes more sense than what I was saying. <laughs> so we flashed over here because of the rim. And that was also a pun that you'll appreciate in about four minutes. The rim is the easiest way to tell a genuine article from a reproduction. Because a reproduction assumes the object will never be used. Exactly. They are made to be done cheaply, assuming it'll never be used. And as a result, there's literally no finishing. It's pulled out of the mold and it's sold. It's in the store. A lot of rough edges, a lot of jagged edges. A lot of things are just really unpleasant to hold. Yep, it'll be sharp. It'll be flat. It'll be unpleasantly symmetrical. Disgusting. Nasty. The rim of genuine crackle glass, vintage crackle glass, smooth to the touch and a little bit opaque from where it was ground and folded. Now, like we said before, other factors such as having a pontal mark, both polished or ground pontal mark, and an applied handle are also things that reproducers do not do, so that's a good look. You can tell an applied handle because it is a separate piece of glass that has been fused on during the molten stage. The other thing about reproductions is that half the time they are flashed on, which is that joke I made. Hooray! Wow. Full circle. Yeah, flashing is the process of applying either an anodized metal coating or paint to glass after the fact. This is pretty easy to tell from proper colored glass. It's duller, it's cloudier, it never reaches the same like very bright vibrancy of actual pigmented glass. And it doesn't glow in the light very nicely because that paint is a whole layer stopping the refraction from happening. Is carnival glass flashing? Yes. No. <laughs> Listen to our carnival glass episode where I think I answer that. All right. And I remember the answer in that episode. <laughs> Hold on, this is going to bug me. I'm going to Google it real quick. But we had such a nice segue into telling people to listen to more podcasts and tell no one about them. <laughs> No, it is not flashed. Okay. The more you know. It is metal salts applied to the molten glass. And you can learn more about that process on our episode about uh, carnival glass. Check it out. Won't you? And another really, really interesting thing is in telling reproductions apart and in general value, the larger the crackling, the less valuable, the more likely it's a fake. You want them itty bitty delicate Venetian cracks. You want them wicked itty bitty and you want them extremely uneven. Evenness suggests some kind of chemical process, which is just kind of not as cool. And the tighter the crackling, the more beautiful it looks in the light. You don't want any GMO crackle glass made from chemicals. Absolutely not. <laughs> this corn syrup, disgusting. Crackle glass has a really low buy-in point. The miniature pieces, which are pretty easy to find, I would say, very rarely crest over 20 bucks. Damn. If you're doing big money, you're almost certainly dealing in an already like luxury glass like Steuben. Or genuine 16th century Venetian crackle glass. Or genuine 16th century Venetian crackle glass. Absolutely, yeah. And obviously Blanco has built quite the name for themselves for enthusiasts of the mid-century modern look. Those pieces can get in the high hundreds of thousands. But the part and parcel everyday crackle glass made from literally every other glass firm, even the really old stuff from like the 1850s, 1890s, yeah, I don't know, 15 bucks? Sure. It's really cheap. There's a variety of shapes and colors so that you can really customize your little collection or even just have something to dress up those window panes. I think it's a wonderful gateway drug into the vintage world. <laughs> so I guess what we're really saying here is do drugs. What I'm saying is do drugs. You know what else is crackly? Meth. Wait, no. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. Reel it back, reel it meth back, reel it back. the original crackle glass. Nope. We should do meth. No. <laughs> rolling it back, rolling it back. That is the wonderful world of meth. I mean, crackle glass. Yay. 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 <laughs> Yay. Sources for today include worldcollectorsnet.com, crackleglass, justglass.com. Wow. Article GCD51, journalofantiques.com, 
crackling good. <laughs> I really hope they're proud of themselves for that one because I'm proud of them for that one. I'm super proud of them. AdirondackGirlAtHeart.com, a cool collectible, crackle glass. TheGlassMuseum.com, crackle. And GlassEncyclopedia.com, crackle glass. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com, or you can message us on Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you thought that me telling you to do meth was a really cool and a good idea, no, feel free. <laughs> if you thought that you liked that I thought mid-century modern antiques were cool, actually, there we go. Feel free to scroll on down to wherever you listen to this podcast. And leave us a review. That one guy who hates mid-century modern really bums me out, you might say. Or you could say, yeah, I fucking hate it. God, why would anyone paint their house orange? I have never said that. I say it. (laughs) And I don't mind mid-century modern. I think orange is not a great color for a home. Prove me wrong. In your review, send me a picture of your house and say it's orange, you stupid bitch. Either way, whatever you have to say to us, leaving a review gets our dulcet tones and perhaps annoying opinions into a variety of listening ears. We received a delightful review from Leah Fine titled Fantabulous, Informative, and Funny. Aww. Even if you don't like antiques and think, nah, not for me, you should give this a listen. These two moderators are besties, knowledgeable, and hilarious. I mean, really actually laugh out loud funny. I hope so, because Lord knows we laughed at our own jokes enough in this episode. (laughs) Please, I'm so... That actually did make me feel way better, because I'm like, well, someone else is laughing too. (laughs) And if you want more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash antiquesfreaks, where we are playing through the extremely buggy Zelda clone, Sinks and the Cursed Mummy, with our friend, author, and archaeologist, O.F. Sieri. Or check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we produce a bonus episode reading and reviewing a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire of the Feast of Blood. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.